A young perspective on hot button issues around the world. This is the Hub. Hello and welcome to the program. I'm Wang Guan in Beijing. The China Central Asia Summit has just concluded in Xi'an, in northwestern Chinese Shanxi Province. Being the first major diplomatic activity held on the Chinese home turf, the summit reached a wide-ranging consensus from economic cooperation to security issues of mutual concern. While focusing on the big agenda, my trip to Xi'an also impressed me in many other ways, more thorough and subtle. I had the best um, Chinese burger, rou jiamu, the best I've had in my life, and also the traditional uh, Chinese artist, the cartoonist, painting for guests from around Central Asia. That was an awesome experience. And for many people, when we talk about relations between countries, it could be a rather dis abstract notion, but the reality on the ground is much simpler. It's all about people-to-people -people interactions. As the summit has shown, it's about bringing different cultures much closer and creating a very special and enduring bond. Now, first of all, let's take a look at our interview done by my colleague Wang Naitian with Arqiao, a cartoonist who drew much attention during this summit in Xi'an for his vivid cartoon depictions with a twist. Hello everyone, I'm Arqiao, aka Father of Tang Niu. I'm very glad to talk to you today about creating Chinese hand fan painting at the China Central Asia Summit. But first, let me introduce Tang Niu to our audience. Tang Niu is a character I created to represent Xi'an, inspired by a pottery figurine of a mate at the Shanxi History Museum. She can also be seen as a chubby little girl who time traveled from the Tang Dynasty, hence the name Go of Tang. Over the last few years, she has witnessed and participated in a lot of activities in Xi'an. Many regard her as one of Xi'an's spokespersons. This time, I was lucky enough to be invited by the organizers to introduce Tang Niu at the media center at the China Central Asia Summit. There, I combined cartoon creation and traditional Chinese hand fan painting into a unique gift from Xi'an. We draw on one side of the fan a painting of our guest, and Tang Niu on the other side. We also wrote the Chinese characters Chang Lai Chang An on the fan, which means visit Xi'an every now and again as a souvenir of the China Central Asia Summit. We created these gifts on site, which has drawn a large crowd of guests, especially foreign guests. Both the Chinese ink painting and the custom-made drawings of the guests make the gifts extra special. When painting, we were able to capture the features of our guests and at the same time recreate them on the fan in a freehand and comic style. That's why many people liked it. Many foreign friends also asked me to write some Chinese characters on the hand fan. For example, their names and also wishes for their families. I felt that this was a good way to spread traditional Chinese culture. Many people gathered around our stand at the media center. They were queuing up to get their special gift. Our stand was the most popular one. 
is also the busiest event that I have ever attended. The China Central Asia Summit provided us a platform to spread traditional Chinese culture, especially since it was held in Xi'an, the ancient capital city. I also did my best to draw as many paintings as I could to leave more people with this special gift from Xi'an and an everlasting good impression of Xi'an. Well, truly amazing story there. Now, coming up, we are introducing you a very special and dear friend of ours, Xiaoyun. She's a current student, a senior at Xi'an Petroleum University, Xi'an Shiyu大学. We met during the summit, and she was actually volunteering and translating for us, facilitating our interviews. Xiaoyun, it's wonderful to see you again. Um, first of all, how do you feel that the summit is over? Um, all your Kazakh friends are back home, you're back to school. Uh, are you having a mental handover? <laughs> I would say so. Uh, after the summit was over, it feels very quiet. Uh, when the summit started, it felt very different for me. It was really busy. And um, my student life, especially these days, is pretty quiet. It's very peaceful. I only do my thesis and I'm just busy with that. But these summit days, they were crazy. Like I was running around. Uh, translating here and there, but it was fun for me, like really fun. And we're talking about the fact that there were many Kazakh students studying in China in their thousands, and due to COVID, there are less number of them studying right now, but uh, there could be a rebound, right? With this summit in place, there could be a lot more students um, studying in China from Central Asia, such as yourself. Uh, what do you think? Yes, I really hope that uh, more of Kazakhstan students will start coming back to China. Because, yes, when the pandemic hit, Kazakhstan flew all of our students back home. Since then, we right now only have like 30 to 40 students in Xi'an. That's a little bit sad because before I remember the days when uh, so many Kazakhstan students used to meet up or do some things, uh, or especially on our own uh, Kazakhstan festivals, we used to meet up and cook our traditional food and everything like that. And uh, hopefully after the summit over, and especially with all the new uh, opportunities that are coming over, I think we'll be seeing more of Kazakhstan students coming back to China. From the perspective of you being a Kazakh student uh, in China, I understand that you've been in China on and off for, what, six years. Uh, how do you look at this summit? I feel like this summit was a historical event for all of the, the five countries from Central Asia, as also China, of course, all the six, six countries. Of course, this is not the first step, when, first time when all uh, Central Asian countries and China had any relationships going on. But this is one of the biggest times, and especially after COVID, this is the time when they actually met face, like, next to each other, not the online meetings. I think we can wait for very big uh, changes or opportunities happening, uh, connections between all of these six countries. Thank you very much for what you have done for our team, for our crew, and for the summits. Um, I hope to see you again soon, either in Beijing or Xi'an. Okay, take care there. Okay. Really, it's like people, um, you know, civilian ambassadors of Artel and uh, Xiaoyun, they're making this summit a great success. Now, as we're embracing even greater regional solidarity, how has the Western countries reacted and how will the China-Central Asia summit affect the geopolitical landscape that we're witnessing?
For more discussions, let's loop in our panelists for today. I'm joined here in our Beijing studio by Han Hua. She's the president of Beijing Belt and Road Cooperative Community. And also in Tashkent, Uzbekistan, we have Dr. Ulebek Kazanov, former aide to the Uzbek president and also head of Regional Security and Development Study Lab. Uh, welcome to both of you. Let's start with you, um, Hua. It's so good to see you. I understand that recently you were in Uzbekistan. Uh, now you're witnessing this event unfolding, China Central Asia Summit. Uh, what do you see as the most important outcomes from this China Central Asia Summit? I think uh, this summit is bringing another new milestone to the Central Asia countries and uh, the relationship between Central Asian countries and China. As I pointed out in many articles and in our discussion with the think tanks over there, we both see this a uh, bridge. I mean, being Central Asian countries, it can play a very and more important role, being a bridge to connect East and West, to connect China, being the second largest economy in the world, and the rest of the world, which is Europe, which is some other countries in the Middle East, as well as others, in developing not only the trade relations, but also to continuing a globalization in the new context of this turbulent world. And we know that in Xi'an there were um, 20 to 30 bilateral and multilateral meetings in place. There were dozens of deals signed between China and Central Asian counterparts. Um, you know, cooperative agreements covering infrastructure, um, green energy, people to people exchange. What do you think are the highlights and how do you think these agreements will really uh, affect the lives of people in China and in Central Asia? There are many general uh, proposals and agreements between China and Central Asian countries as a whole. But also there are many uh, interesting proposals and agreements in particular for each respective countries. For example, for Uzbekistan, they are more concerned about its green development down the road. And uh, it is also concerned about whether and how China's alleviation of poverty, the practices and lessons learned can be also learned for them and they are even interested about the medical care for the elder people in rural areas during our discussions with the think tanks and with the experts there so I think in general there are a lot of agreements I learned that each country has signed the the bilateral uh, declaration and the uh, we, uh, among each, there are about over 30 proposals and they're in very detailed uh, execution plans, for example, like the energy cooperation, like the green uh, cooperation, like the automobile manufacturing. So I think for the people in China and the Central Asia, this is a continuous development along the Belt and Road Initiative in first, and also there will be some exact uh, details for the people people to raise their livelihood, just as I mentioned, for example, the tourism between China and Uzbekistan will certainly be boosted because of the mutual waiver visa policy. Is there and, a waiver of visa right now, just like China Kazakhstan? Uh, yes, the 10 days visa. And we are hoping oh. to maybe to expand this visa waiver days from 10 days to even one month so that the Chinese tourists will have more time and the chances to visit more than Tashkent and Samarkand 
Thailand to some other Asian countries. You're saying that right now, if uh, a person is holding a Chinese passport, he or yes. she can go to Tashkent, can go to Uzbekistan for With, 10 days without 10 needing a visa. Without a visa. And it is, it is even more convenient if you take a high-speed train from Tashkent to Samarkand. It will only take you about two hours to, from a capital, modern city, to an ancient Silk Road city. Yeah, certainly. I, I can tell the excitement uh, through your eyes about your trip in Uzbekistan, which was, what, 10 days? We'll talk yes. about that later. Uh, Dr. Kazanov, um, I'm wondering how is the China Central Asia Summit covered and perceived by people, by scholars like yourself back home in Uzbekistan? What do you think are the highlights, the important outcomes from this summit? In my view, China Central Asia Summit in Xi'an played a significant role in the process of further deepening of strategic partnership between Uzbekistan and China. And our president, Shavkat Mirmanch Mirziyoyev, mentioned it several times in different meetings about the current and future partnership with the People's Republic of China has strategic importance for further industrial and innovative development of our national economy. That's why we have many, many important things uh, in store for the bilateral relations for further deepening and the developing of a mutual relations and the partnership. That's why uh, Xi'an Declaration mentioned that we Central Asians share with China common destiny. That means that the, we have more things, uh, I would say, integrating and uh, uh, connecting this region, I mean the Central Asia with China through the historical, cultural, industrial, trade, logistical uh, vectors of our relations. That's why Central Asia and China has strategic agenda for further development and is fantastically perceived, not just by academia or scholars or educational system, but by the ordinary people. They, they, they received and they accepted it as a new stage, as a new step for further deepening of people-to-people -people communication that is very important for our bilateral relations. Dr. Kazanov, specifically for China and Uzbekistan, we understand that Uzbekistan has the largest population in Central Asia, nearly 50% of them, and also it is uh, the fastest growing economy in the last couple of years. Uh, what do you think this summit will bring to China and Uzbekistan, especially in terms of uh, trade and investment opportunities? As far as you know, uh, at the end of the summit, and in a frame of uh, Uzbek president's state visit to China just recently, uh, both sides reached and signed for the uh, agreements on 41 documents, and that means 41 aspects of our bilateral relations. Uh, if we mention the uh, previous documents and the previous joint projects, I would say compared with the previous statutes and the previous projects and the elements in our bilateral relations, today's level is doubling. That means that the, we are uh, in a process of uh, seriously reconsidering and deepening our relations with China. I would say to you that uh, before 2016, 
the the general volume of our bilateral trade did not exceed five billion, but today it is doubled within four five years since Shafkat Miramanovich Mirziyoyev came to the power since at the end of the 2016, the dramatic changes had happened in the regional climate, regional atmosphere, and the, in the context of our relations with our strategic partners, where China is playing the role of the leading trade and economic partner for the Uzbek economy. And then I agree with my colleague when she said that the Uzbekistan uh, in the process of further uh, deepening the whole agenda of bilateral relations. That's why we are considering and accepting the current and the future state of our relations as uh, very perspective and strategic for the needs and interests of the Republic of Uzbekistan. Definitely uh, a lot of benefits uh, down the line for people on both sides. Uh, President Hanhua, um, I understand you were in Uzbekistan for what, 10 days? Yes. Uh, you met uh, people from the foreign ministry, uh, yeah. the office of the president, also major think tanks. How did that trip change your perception about Uzbekistan and China-Uzbekistan relations? Uh, you know that so well. <laughs> and, <laughs> I did my homework. <laughs> uh, yes, <laughs> and I'm happy to share with you that uh, before going to Uzbekistan, yeah. uh, I know it is an ancient Silk Road country and it has a lot of historic relics. And I was looking forward to see, you know, even the war paintings left by, uh, explored by the archeologists regarding the Tang Dynasty's prosperity and the, the cultural exchange between the two countries in ancient times. But now I can see we might be in the different development stage. I mean, the two countries in terms of economic growth, but certainly the two countries are moving towards the same direction, which is people-centered, people-satisfied, uh, a strategy and I was honored to witness and observe the referendum of the constitution during my stay in Uzbekistan which is to ensure the continuation of the the current leadership, as well as to uh, carry out a lot of favorable policies towards uh, this people-centered, people-satisfied development strategy. And uh, this is in line with China's national development strategy, which is also people-centered, people-satisfied. Uh, people so this will ensure the two countries have more to co co collaborate rather to confront. And with the external environment being stabilized as well, such as the anti-terrorism uh, by the efforts I think both countries are kind I, I you know in this stage of focusing more on the economic development and you also mentioned in one of your programs regarding the the freight train between China and Europe which yeah, the CKU, the CKU, CKU Railway, and the CKU right? in particular will enhance the trade volume and economic cooperation among these three countries and we now know that there are uh, already 109 starting stations in China to go through this free train to transport the goods, Chinese goods, automobiles, as well as other uh, supplies to along the Silk Road, along the Belt and Road Initiative. And Uzbekistan will certainly play a key or hub, the hub, the role of the hub uh, to, uh, to enhance not only the bilateral trade and economic cooperation, but also the China and Central Asian countries and also China and the Europe countries. Yeah, I heard that there were some technical uh, challenges mm -hmm. back then because uh, countries like Uzbekistan used the, the wider range for their rail tracks, yes. something like 15 uh, 
Yeah, different, uh, different, you know, different size, different size, different systems, different measurements. And then China uses a different set of systems that mm -hmm. is different from former yeah. Soviet Union mm -hmm. uh, member states. And now, of course, Uzbekistan been this independent country since 1990s. Um, are you confident these difficulties can be overcome and this railway CKU um, can be a project bringing great benefits for the region? Yeah, that was part of the difficulties when the CKU has taken such a long time to do the feasibility study, including the technical issues, including how to tackle the external environment, including but not limited to the terrorism, you know, threats. But now I think after 20 years uh, of its independence uh, in the 1991, and uh, the country itself, as well as the region, has been stabilizing thanks to the country's determination and the policies to develop themselves, as well as to the neighborhood, to the neighboring countries' joint efforts. So the second stage of its development is to collaborate more and is to take itself as part of the partner of China and the partner of Europe as well to be, like I said, the bridge. So I'm confident that the feasibility study as well as the real construction of the CKU will certainly be accelerated and these technical issues will be solved. Yeah, if completed, I heard that it would be one of the shortest routes connecting the east and the exactly. west on land, on the Eurasian landmass. Uh, Dr. Kazanov, uh, let's talk about global geopolitics. A lot of Western headlines when they covered this summit, the China-Central Asia summit uh, taking place in Xi'an last week, they focus on the narrative uh, whereby they think that uh, you know, Russia is preoccupied with its war in Ukraine and China is somehow taking over Central Asia. Um, how do you look at that narrative? So that narrative, it happens and uh, we see such criticism time to time and I can say to you that uh, even 50 years ago nobody in the uh, Western academia or different international research centers didn't believe that the China may become a global actor redefining the uh, global economy and financial system. So China approved that China today can become a serious game changer in global politics. That's why I should say to you that if we read such assessment and such views in academia or for, for international research, I should say to you that uh, I would say to you that the criticism is a part of the recognition of success. <laughs> That's why success in politics worrisome and the Chinese role, very constructive, very rational role, is irritating because for many researchers, the wide success is irritating and China is doing very constructive, very rational things in building uh, the very pragmatic relations, not with the Central Asian nations, with the different global actors. That's why uh, such level of the process in a very constructive way may be perceived by different researchers and uh, academia members and the scholars differently. It happens. That's why I should say to you that the uh, current process of the global development is explained by, let's say, Central Asian scholars in very positive way because we see the pragmatism, constructivism, and rationalism uh, as uh, 
main uh, elements, main drivers for the global and regional changes. That's why uh, we have different views, but the current view of my colleagues say that the, we, we are in a process of the further improving regional and global relations, having such actor like and partner and neighbor like China. That's why that is very positive, very yeah. rational, very pragmatic for us. That's why yeah. different views, but we have different attitudes, but it's one of the uh, approaches. Yeah, exactly. Um, a very interesting perspective there. And also, Hanghua, we noticed that uh, the Russian um, prime minister was in Beijing right after the China Central Asia summit. What do you think that says about China-Russia relations in light of the China Central Asia summit? Mm -hmm. Actually, he was in Shanghai. Shanghai was his first stop. I'm happy to see that. And in Shanghai, he held a, 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 a grand, you know, a China uh, Russia Business Summit or China-Russia Business Forum, which a lot of uh, Russian and the Chinese counterparts uh, participate into this forum to dedicate this forum as well as the continuous discussions and dialogues, negotiations included to be part of increasing the trade volumes between the two countries set by the two presidents back in March, which is over 20 million US dollars trade volume for this year. And the Russian Prime Minister is very confident to say that uh, the two countries are very determined and very confident to surpass this trade volume this year, which will set a record high trade relationship between the two countries. So I see with the war in Europe is still raging, and uh, we will not forget our main responsibility. As I, I appreciate the professor just mentioning about China's role as the leading actor on the world stage. Uh, so I think this is a good definition regarding the leading role comes with its leading uh, economy as well as the leading role and the responsibilities. So we will put more focus on this bilateral relations if this deglobalization de is still you know, being the main narrative in the world. But we also will put a lot of emphasis on the shared future in terms of economic de development cooperation with countries that li would like to join the efforts together. And there is a great potential between not only China, Russia, China, Central Asian countries, also between China, Europe, and China, Southeast Asian countries. So there are a lot of complementary factors among these trade relationships. So let business talk, let people-to-people -people exchange talk, rather than let you know this political agenda overarch, oh, this, overarch this, uh, this normal and uh, should be a basic economic development and the cooperations among the countries. Definitely. You know, last night I was chairing a, a summit of uh, CCPIT attended by the uh, Chamber of Commerce representatives mm -hmm. from around the world. It is also their call, their advocacy, that don't let politics get in the way of mm -hmm. trade, of investment, and of people-to-people -people exchange. Uh, thank you so much, Hanghua, and thank you, Dr. Kazanov in Kashkent, uh, Uzbekistan. Thank you very much for your perspectives. And that will do it for this edition of The Hub on CGTN. Thank you all for joining us. Among Wen in Beijing. Bye and take care. <laughs>